0: Psalm 119, verses 1 through 32. These are, in case you don't remember, there is a a section uh, for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet uh, throughout this psalm. That's why there are uh, so many sections. And um, the first word of each verse Starts with uh, the letter that is named. Isn't that right, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah, the first word of each line of like section olive starts with an olive. The first word of every line of the second one starts with the the bait or Beth and so forth and so on. So we'll read uh, the first four sections of Psalm 119. Uh, Psalm 119 verses 1 to 32. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes, O, oh, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you, O, oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke the proud and the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight and my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I've declared my ways and you've answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, so shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth, your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies, O so Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments. And you shall enlarge my heart. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 9, after which we'll flip back to Psalm 119 for our sermon. 1 Corinthians 9, where Paul gives, as this Bible I'm looking at labels it, a pattern of self-denial. He calls on us to serve all men and also calls on us to strive for a crown. You'll maybe not be as familiar with the first bit of 1 Corinthians 9, but I will uh, be willing to bet you have heard the last few verses uh, many times. 1 Corinthians 9, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, Yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal or the proof of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war, At his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man, or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen that God is concerned about, or does he say it altogether for our sakes?" It is for our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple? Those who serve the altar partake of the offerings of the altar. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things that it should be done so to me, for it, for it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel... I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as those under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law, not being without law toward God, but certainly under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. And they do it to obtain a they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run in this fashion, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air. yet I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others. I myself should become disqualified. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. The Lord's word gives us um, ways of describing uh, the Christian life. Uh, Three that are immediately given at the beginning of Psalm 119 are walking, keeping, and seeking walking, keeping, and seeking. Those are, again, three words that Psalm 119 gives us to uh, fill out our vocabularies, uh, to help us know the proper way of viewing what Christianity is, or, or to think about what it is to put the Bible into practice. What we are doing when we obey the Bible is we're walking in the way of the Lord. We are keeping his commands, and we are Seeking his face. We walk as Christians dependent upon the Spirit. We keep the Lord's Word as those who have the Holy Spirit, indeed the Spirit of Christ, and we seek the glory of Christ by the Holy Spirit. It is not framed around feelings or being driven by emotion that is apart from the Word. Rather, it is letting the Word of God be your guide. Now, the Lord in his kindness even tells you right up front in uh, Psalm 119 that you can cleanse your way as a young man. And by implication, as a Christian, no matter what your age or whether you are a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, how do you cleanse your way? How do you make sure that the road before you is clean? How do you make sure that you are clean on the way? It is taking heed according to The Word. Now, don't read that as taking heed to the Word, though that's true, but that's not what the point is that the psalmist wants to emphasize. It is listening to all things, taking heed to all things according to what the Word says, letting the Word be your guide. Listening to the Word, of course, is included, but we must think of ourselves as listening to all things based upon the Word of God. You see, God assumes and teaches that if you have His Word in you, that you can make the decisions that need to be made, again, by the Holy Spirit. The Word is even said to be hidden in the heart that you might not sin against the Lord, Now, hidden in here does not mean kept to yourself and kept private. It means treasured and preserved. The word of the Lord is to be hidden in the heart. And God tells us what happens when this is done. It is done so that you might not sin against the Lord. That is, that you might not commit grievous sin. That you might not fall from the Lord's mercy. Holy living requires this, hiding the word in your heart. This is certainly motivation. It's motivation to read the Bible with your family. It's motivation to read the Bible with your spouse. It's motivation to read the word of the Lord privately. It's motivation to come and hear the word read and preached among the Lord's people. Because there is no better way, indeed there is really no other way, to hide God's word in your heart other than reading it and hearing it read. You could take verses like this and encourage yourself to get out of bed, to take a few minutes before bed, to take a few minutes on your break at lunch, wherever and whenever you have the time. Actually, let's change it. You must make the time to spend time in the Word of God because as your experience tells you, it's not just going to fall into your lap. You have to do those things intentionally, hiding the Word of God in your heart. Why is this routine so hard to keep? Because it is walking, it is seeking, it is keeping, and you can't treat something that requires movement and requires effort as if it doesn't. You see, the merciful God, the mercy of God to you, His bountiful care that this text speaks of in verse 17. You are to see that as a help to live and keep his word. You know, I challenge you to think about living as a Christian based on uh, those three words at the beginning, walking, keeping, and seeking. But Psalm 119 is one of the most challenging uh, chapters in the Bible for how you view the power of the Bible, how you view the word in general. We'll get to some of those verses in a minute. But just think of these, these phrases. The psalmist could say, like verse 10, with my whole heart I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Our prayer language is normally, oh God, I have not sought you as I should. And that's true. And yet at the same time, Christians can say with my whole heart, I have sought you. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right? We might say, Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might love you more. And again, that's not wrong. But look at the way the Holy Spirit chooses to accent these truths. Hiding the word of God in the heart that you might not sin against Him. His bountiful dealings with us. So that, verse 17 we might live and keep his words. Psalm 119 doesn't just teach us about living and uh, the proper way of viewing the word of God. It teaches us how to pray. Maybe you notice as we were reading through it, this, the psalmist uh, says uh, several times lines that are basically prayers. Like in verse 18, he says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. You see, this is a very practical verse It's something that we can put into work as we read our Bibles privately or as we read our Bibles with our families. Indeed, this is like a, a pastoral prayer before reading the scriptures in the church, asking God to open the eyes. You are to ask God yourself to open your eyes. He is the one who opens The eyes, even we as Christians can in some sense have our eyes closed to his word, but we ask for his spirit. We pray to him that he would open them. Now, I know many of you read your Bibles. Many of you take that time during the week when you're not at church, but do you read your Bible with prayers like this accompanying it? Do you read the word of God and ask for his help? You could use Psalm 119, verse 18, every single day, every single time you open your Bible for the rest of your life. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Don't imagine that God would not answer a prayer like that. You see, this is part of the practice of walking, keeping, and seeking. Walking in the ways of the Lord, keeping His commands and seeking His face. I encourage you to look to the scriptures, dear friends, and behold the wondrous things in God's law. As as the hymn says, to turn your eyes upon the Lord Jesus, you do so through the word, looking full in his wonderful face, that the things of earth might go strangely dim. And because I called you this morning to covenant keeping as it regards your children, I want us to take a deep breath for a moment. And listen again to verses 21 through 24. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, because, or for, I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Why these four? Listen to this, this explanation we could say. God rebukes the proud and the curse. That is those who stray from his commandments. And then we're shown in this other line, remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. That is to say, I keep your word, O God. This isn't the only time the psalmist or the Psalms say this. I keep your word and on that basis, remove reproach and contempt that is upon me. Friends, I hope that you can say that. I know that we're supposed to confess our sins and that we're supposed to humble ourselves before the Lord, but that's not the only lines that scripture gives us to pray. Can you even say these things? I would urge you that you can. As a Christian, if you're desirous and if you're walking, seeking and keeping the Lord's word, take the words of Scripture and put them on their, on your lips. Princes, the text say, may sit and speak against you, but the servant of the Lord doesn't say ought to. The servant of the Lord meditates on the Lord's statutes. This is the distinction between the prince who speaks against the servant and the servant himself. The servant meditates on the Lord's statutes. It's not framed as you ought to, though that's true, but it's framed as a fact. This is what servants of the Lord do. They meditate on the words of God. And because his testimonies are your delight and your counselors by the Spirit's work in you, meditating on the glory of Jesus Christ, you can say these things. Does this sound anything like being confused before the Word of God and not knowing what to do with it? Absolutely not. We can say that the Christian, faithfully adhering to the Scriptures, delights in the Word and is counseled by the Word. I don't know if you've ever felt this conviction in your life, but there's a conviction that often comes for the Christian when we know the counsel that the Word has, but we turn to human counselors instead because we don't like what the Word says. We want some other advice. Right? There's nothing wrong with asking for human counsel to help you gain clarity on the Scriptures, but be wary of that, that temptation. The scripture is your ultimate counselor because God is your counselor. Jesus is called in Isaiah 9, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. Even when your soul is in the dust, the psalmist says, the word will be your revival. Not the church. The word will be your revival. Friends, who doesn't feel this burden when practicing the scriptures? Who doesn't feel this uh, burden of the soul feeling like it's in the dust when you practice the Scriptures? I gave you uh, Larger Catechism 78. We're going to look at that now because um, I think I, I read it in, in Sunday school this morning when I was going through uh, communicants class with uh, one of our covenant children. But um, it, it struck me as I was preparing this sermon that this is uh, very accurate for uh Kind of what we're talking about here in Psalm 119, practicing the word of God. And the question is, whence ariseth the imperfection of sanctification in believers? Meaning, why do I still sin? That's the question that they're asking. Why do I still sin? It says, the imperfection of sanctification in believers ariseth from, so here's where it comes from, the remnants of sin abiding in every part of them. And the perpetual lustings of the flesh against the spirit. Whereby, so by these lusts of the flesh, by these remnants of sin, they and Christians are often foiled, surrounded with temptations, and fall into many sins, are hindered in all of their spiritual services, and their best works are imperfect. And defiled in the sight of God. Friends, that is Romans 7. But explained in the catechism. We fail to keep the law. Imperfection. Or the imperfection of our holiness comes from the fact that sin remains. That God in his wisdom has allowed sin to remain. Not just in a part of us, but in every part of us. Our flesh still lusts. But the difference between us and an unbeliever, the unbeliever's flesh lusts, and there's nothing to curb it. But our flesh lusts against the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit at work in us. And because of that, the battle is different. Because of that, we have sanctification at all. And yet, take encouragement in this explanation. The Westminster divines, those... Dirty, high minded, legalistic Calvinist said that Christians are often foiled with temptations and fall into many sins and are hindered, not in some, but in all their spiritual services. And our best works are imperfect and defiled in the sight of God. That doesn't mean they're rejected, but just that they are imperfect because of remaining sin. And they are defiled. Not because the work of Christ fails, but because sin remains in us for this time. This is what it is for the soul to cling to the dust. As you know, this burden of Christianity, this frustration in spiritual service, plead with the Lord for understanding. Even when your soul, as the psalmist says, melts from heaviness, The Bible says God will strengthen you by His Word. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is is all through this text. You sense the heaviness of His own prayers and think of the things that He might have meditated on as He endured all things for your salvation. As Christ clung to the testimonies that He Himself had written, He cries out to the Father and says, Do not let me be put to shame. His prayers, friends, become your prayers. As he ran the course of his father's commandments, his heart was enlarged. We read from 1 Corinthians 9, or we read from it earlier, and the ending of that chapter is a great encouragement to us. And Psalm 119 connects nicely with it. That bit that I told you was probably very familiar to you about running the race. Again, this is the the life of the Christian. Do you not know that those who run in a race, they all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes for the prize is is temperate in all things. They're self-controlled because they're running a race. They do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You see, the word enables you to run the race the right way, that you may obtain an imperishable crown. You say, Pastor, this is a lot of weight that you're putting on the scriptures. No, it's God doing it. It is quite a meditation. Encourage yourself to spend that time in the Word that you find so difficult. And you can do it by saying things like, I know, Lord, that this will help me obtain an imperishable crown. We as Christians run with certainty because we have the Word our fighting is not in vain. We're not boxing the air because we have understanding by the word. The word teaches us discipline of the body that it might be brought into subjection so that we should not be disqualified. You see, the high doctrine of Holy Scripture that is taught in Christianity is not a creation of the church. It is born from the word itself. We treat the word of God As the word speaks of itself. Even our Lord Jesus Christ. He called on his father. To sanctify his people. You remember this verse in John 17. Jesus tells you what the truth is. Even as he cries out to his father. He says sanctify them by your truth. Your word. Is truth. Friends let God be true see it in his word, though every man be a liar. Amen. Let's pray.